Welcome back to SCN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. So just recapping Sunday night's Nichols medal final leaderboard. Dylan Lant was the runaway winner from St. Mary's on 23 votes. Maddie Dennis picked up 15 from Southern Districts. Dylan Collis, 13 votes for Waratah. Jared Stokes on 12. Brody Philo on 12. And Southern Districts' Jake McQueen, potentially a surprise for some people rounding out the top five, but he has had a very good season. And I thought it was interesting last week. Again, we won't quite go into the preliminary final review just week, just now, but we were talking about uh, off-air Kieran Parnell's role on Jake McQueen and how it was somewhat surprising. But if you look at the last time these two teams played, you had McQueen getting 30 touches and two goals. So perhaps we could have worked that out at the time. Molly Oldhouse goes back-to-back. Now, I feel in the Women's Premier League uh, Best and Fairest Award, I feel like a, a bit of a fool here, Rob. So I saw Molly Oldhouse as we were heading into the pavilion uh, at Mindle Beach. And I said to Molly, and these words would come back to haunt me. I said, hey, Molly, are you presenting the award to the winner this year as, as, as the winner last year? Not knowing that uh, she would then eventually go out to win it by 11 votes. So yeah. Molly Oldhouse, 28 votes. Um, I think she only polled 20 last year. So clearly a better year this year in the umpire's eyes. Michaela Ward on 17, Amy Chittick on 12, Emily Forshaw on 12, and Kiara Zarafa on 10 was a top five in the Women's Premier League Best and Fairest Award. Any surprises there? Yeah, definitely. I think a surprise was Michaela Ward and uh, Emily Forshaw. Um, we missed those two in our rep team. I think we had Michaela uh, Ward on the emergency, and Emily Forshaw, those are good. She's the captain of the Saints side, um, little redhead girl. Yep. Um, and she, you know, she goes all right um, as well. So she could have probably been in there if Saints had won enough games in the women's. Um, but yeah, we, like you were saying with the men's, um, McQueen only played seven or eight games and we did put him mm. in our rep, our team of the year. So that, that yep. turned out to be a good move because, um, and yeah, and we probably should have thought that the Parnell tag probably could have moved to Kane Stevens, but McQueen had three, three or four very important early touches as well. Um, played with the soil on. though too. Yeah. And uh, it, look, it just looked like the whiz was a bit off. And yeah, it, it did. The whole group just looked off from the start. And mm. I don't know, it was a real tricky one. How'd you see it, Raf? Yeah, it was an interesting one. Um, yeah, I thought they were home. Uh, yeah. But yeah, like in the in the votes, like just touching base on that, the one that yeah. um, I thought would have polled a lot higher for the St. Mary's girls was Billy Byers. Like yeah. her, her individual efforts in some of the games, she did get it on the wing with a footy and she'd run, take four or five bounces. And the amount of times I've seen her do that, mm. you know, and either, then either hit the full forward um, or kick a goal herself. And in women's footy, that's very, very rare you see that. And mm-hmm. um, the amount of times she did it, um, I thought that, you know, and they, and they were games they won in. Um, so, yeah, I thought Billy um, Byers would have definitely finished higher than Emily Forshaw, even though Emily Forshaw was consistent and didn't miss a game. Mm. Um, yeah, that was a surprise for me. Um, we did have Rick Nolan predict Rennie Hicks uh, on the show last weekend, and she must have underpolled. She clearly didn't finish in the top five. Yeah, but... I- I think she was, yeah, the Pine Skills seemed to st- like the, still vote. Yeah, they was it wasn't yeah. a consistent one or two people getting the votes. It was mm. like a well, um, even spread of um contributors, and that's what you sort of want. Like you, you know, they if they all end up with a premiership medal, I think you prefer that than an individual medal. Like yeah. everyone would plays football. Well, I don't know, or I don't think at least that Amy Chittick finished in the top sort of one or two in Pints Best and Fairest either. It'd be interesting to see the final vote count for that, but she was obviously the highest vote polar uh on sunday night yeah but definitely interesting the only other thing to touch on uh with the nickels medal i thought was did you like the setup with how they did some of the minor grades or or do you think they could have given them a little bit more attention so robbie you weren't there uh you did receive an invite but uh, a busy busy schedule 
Um, basically, what happened was, so for example, Matt Duffy won the Premier League Reserves uh, Competition League medal, yeah. and they announced it just just like you would a club best and fairest. They basically said, all right, oh, the winner of the medal is Matt Duffy yeah. from Districts. They yeah. clapped, he came up, there was a little graphic, but there was nothing about his total votes. They didn't do, even with the juniors, they had the top five, I think, um, you know, their little graphic with who finished second, third, fourth, fifth. They didn't do that for the men's. They just said the winner. They didn't say how many votes. Do you think they could have perhaps given a little bit more attention to that? I know normally they do um, the votes for the last three or four rounds. I still think there was time on the night. There was a lot of time, Raph, you were there, yeah. where there was 30 or 40 minutes with nothing going on. Well, that's yeah. it. The, the breaks were a lot longer than I expected mm. them to be. And and then it was all sort of wrapped up by 8.30 or something. You know, they mm. were telling us, you know, that's it. Yeah. Um, hop out and I... I would have liked to have seen at least the top three in each division vote yeah. because um, then all the boys were asking, you know, young Tyson Kidney, yeah, exactly. our best and first by a country mile. Mm. Um, you know, like, oh, surely you've only lost by a couple of points. And then we're like, well, we're never going to know that. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I, I think maybe coming out of post-COVID, the AFLNT have been under-resourced maybe in that aspect. And I think next year, I'd hope to see that they probably did a, a maybe a broken down round six, round 12, and then winner yeah. or something in a slideshow or something with a bit, bit of suspense so that people oh, know yeah. they're actually going to a chance to win it, not yeah. a surprise sort of thing like that, eh? So no, You're there to enjoy the night. Like yeah, I, said, you know, I yeah. sort of feel sorry for the other guys who would have been invited in each division for yeah, yeah. their half a chance, but then not even to work out how many points they finished behind the leader or if they even were in the top three or four and mm, yeah that's yeah. that's the only thing i i think but yeah like you said under man under source the comp has been and hopefully they um sort that out over the off season and the see uh, the competition bounces back yeah um, and healthy yeah healthy crowd last night in the afl so i think money should be flowing back into the um to the afl so hopefully yep. that happens well i think that we should get into the preliminary final review so for those who missed it, Southern Districts 14-9-93 defeated St. Mary's 10-10-70 to book a spot in the grand final and a rematch to Waratah, the team they lost to by 56 points just a fortnight ago. We have already spoken a lot about it already, but Districts Dean Thornton deserves plenty of credit. I think he was the close to the best on ground, like we said before, if not the most influential player returning from suspension. He had 27 disposals, which was a game high and restricted land to just the 11 touches, which is just about unheard of this year. We're talking about a guy who's averaged 30 disposals. Uh, Lant has, I believe, from the inner sanctum at St. Mary's, Lant has been carrying a few injuries, uh, but we can't take anything away from Staunton. And and good credit to Lant as well for being able to go forward and kick three goals and still have an impact on the match. But the chocolates there definitely has to go to the district skipper, doesn't it? Yeah, it definitely does. It was a massive effort. And I wasn't aware that he had that much of the football um, compared to the recruits that Saints mm. flew in as well. Um, he probably does get the three votes. Um, although I did love Kane Stevens' game. Yeah. Um, just the bloke that racks the footy up. And, uh, I thought Matt Dennis it. was very good too. Matt Dennis. And then you add in Luke Smith, got the footy. Yeah. And um, McQueen, yeah, 25 McQueen, touches. Like, just got, looking at those stats, they're every bit of chance this weekend, yeah, I agree. tomorrow. Now, if those five, five or six top end blokes fire... They're definitely carrying a few at the bottom end, but so are Yeah. So, well, I think every club is normally yeah. there's a point system. So. Yeah, well, exactly. And you add in there, I think there's not many locals in, you know, these sides, but sort of the way it's going now with Waratahs with 12, um, mm. the, the the blueprint's there for clubs. If they want to be successful, go recruit state league level players to come live here. Yeah, bottom and there's line. no better example than a bloke like Luke Smith, who 
Hmm. The last couple of weeks, I think he's shown a new element to his game. Not that he never had it or he's just developed it or anything like that. But I think we've been uh, praising the plaudits of, say, his ball use and being able to get forward and kick a couple of goals. But I think he's had seven tackles. He's averaging seven tackles a game throughout this final series. So yeah. definitely doing the hard stuff. I think he was the leading contested possession winner one of those weeks. So mm-hmm. definitely uh, proving why we rated him so high, Ralph. Yeah, definitely. And, um, yeah, he, he, he definitely stood out. Um, uh, I, I like the way the district's boys went mm-hmm. about it. Um, you know, like we said, nullified St. Mary's best player and then the spread of their mids and yep. the ball winning, um, like Rob, uh, Rob just mentioned. I'm sorry, I keep calling you Rob. You're the guru. Uh, yeah. My apologies, <laughs> mate. Rob. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, there's something like I'll touch on, but we we'll probably could go dive into a bit more deeper. But you think, um, you know, with the rules and all the point systems and all that, um, you know, because a lot of people are trying to recruit from down south. Mm. Um, and we, like you mentioned, there's only, you know, some teams now have probably got eight local boys at, at max, um, you know, like, do you need to, I don't know, change the rules or have a look at changing the rules and the point system again? Because um, I'd, I'd prefer, like, because the, the hardest thing is if a local player wants to be recruited by another club, mm. he's, he's maximum points. Mm. So I'd rather see, like, a, a team recruit best players from other clubs that are all territory boys. And, you know, you have a club with 10 or 11 because I think you got caught out with, uh, you know, trying to leave a oh, yeah. club and you're a four-pointer yeah. and you had to have a year in the... Well, I speak from personal experience a little yeah. bit. Like when I left Saints at the end of the 2016-17 season, I left full well knowing that at best I'm a fringe player. So, you know, I just wanted an opportunity to play Premier yeah. League footy at another club. I thought I was good enough to play Premier League yeah. footy, but only as a zero-pointer, yeah. not as a four-point player. And yeah. um, to do that, you had to go and play half a season at, yeah. at Banks. And yeah. it just got tricky because, you know, you build connections at a club like Banks and then you're off six months time and it makes yeah. it sort of seem like oh was he there i had was sledged by some of the samaris boys saying oh i went there for money and i was like it's hard to say well no it's just the point system <laughs> yeah. i can't get a game as a yeah. four-pointer so i have to go reset the points yeah well talking back to the conversation when the point system initially come in it was i think it was to retain locals yeah so waratahs have three locals running out this week or four so like but it's you know like saint mary's nightcliff all these clubs are all very southern filled yeah. as well like we have to admit that yeah. buffaloes and wanderers and someone told me the only way it'll be fixed if you move the comp back from move the comp march to september then you'll see who wants to actually play in darwin um for no money but we'll drop the standard if we and the that. standard would drop standard dramatically way, yeah, but the problem is like now with the point system is like people the co- clubs have manipulated the point system and mm. they've haven't and, it, and clubs have been caught but you know it's the rules are there to be bent yeah, and yeah. clubs have done it and if you get recruits that come up for two or three years and they're, they're zero pointers they're locals yeah. but after that Definitely point worth a big chat that one yeah i reckon it's, on an, it's a massive yeah massive point to discuss well i think and again obviously we will discuss it later on but i think uh waratah did some fancy work with the catherine comp didn't they getting a couple of really credentialed players up playing a couple of games in catherine and then them becoming reclassified as zero pointers or one point players or something like that. So I think it has happened. And then, you know, like Arnold Kirby played a Div 2 game last mm. year to lower points, which is what clubs and O'Sullivan did as well. So there's loopholes there that clubs can ex- exploit. And, and I think Nycliffe done it as well in their premiership era. And this isn't a criticism on these clubs. If the rules are like that, then no. go yeah, for your exploit life. Them. Exploit them. Mm. Yeah. Hey, we do need to go to a break very soon, but the last talking point, uh, not of the game, because I still think there's plenty to go into with last week's preliminary final result, but I am interested in the stat sheet. I always look at the stat sheet when it comes out. Uh, Seven St. Mary's players held to five disposals or less. 
You got Nate Brady's a skipper having 13 disposals. We've already spoken about Lant, who had the 11 touches, but at least he went forward and kicked three goals and had a hard tag on him. Brady's 13 touches, uh, 13 players under 10 disposals for St. Mary's. Jackson Calder, just the three disposals. I thought Fraser Driscoll did an excellent job on him. Um, you can't win games of footy. I think the whole team had under 200 disposals. Very rarely do you win games of football with those numbers, do you? No, definitely. Even their top line midfielders were down. And we sort of said that the week before, though, is that in, if they're going to have Boyle, Smithson, they need Fowler, they need all those blokes in there to be competitive. They just haven't got the depth there. Mm. Um, and I, I don't think they play a high possession game, do they? They play that more rush style. Everyone plays a role. Those Some of those low disposal blokes... Um, you know, play that more pressure sort of role, but there's no doubt those guys need a lot of development moving forward. They're they're in a bit of a hole there. And if you if you watch Saints a lot and know how they move the footy, it's quite easy. Like I'd love to be a half backer playing against St Mary's because mm-hmm. you know once they get to a certain position on the ground, they they look to go along to Jackson Calder. And I think in some of the photos and um, I'm looking back through the week, um, mm-hmm. the Jackson Calder was jumping against three blokes and most mm-hmm. of them. So you know that, that's. You know, oh, yeah. all done by the Crocs defence and to work that out. So I was thinking that as well. I think they need to go after another big forward and Calder needs to be able to give up his space a bit as well. I know he likes to play one out, yeah. but he has to move up the ground and present as well and create that double-pronged attack. Or do you go for another Ruckman and play Grenfell forward? Is that an option? I'm not totally sold on Grenfell, to be honest. Um, it looks like he's going an injury. Mm. Um, At his best, he should be able yeah, to do that yeah. roll-up forward, though. He kicked 150-plus goals albeit in the lower country league, but he's dominated the Golden Valley. He's 200 centimetres. I would have mm. thought the, a, a two-pronged attack with Grenfell and Calder could work, but yeah. then, you're, you know, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. Gee, yeah, I hate that tongue twister. You get a genuine centre forward that mm. can be like that. Um, um, like a Darcy Hope team. type. Yeah. That can I want up. someone that can run. Yeah. yeah. That gives you the higher leads up, hit, you, hit up on a wing, mm. and then you've got Calder coming at you from 30 plus, and then you've got Grenfell standing in the goal squares. How I'd see it. Yeah. yeah and the other thing as well is that <clears throat> we're not saying is that Shannon Rusker and um, Ryan Ayres are smart coaches, and they've mm. worked out the game plan that St. Mary's play heavy through their top end talent. And yeah. It's a common thing I've heard in two years that oh, no, St. Mary's top end talent will get it done from. Didn't get it done from last week. Didn't fire, yeah. Exactly. We do need to go to a break. Just on that, really quickly. Sorry, we've been teasing this break. <laughs> yeah. for a I tell you, Shannon Rusker coached exceptionally well last week. Yeah. I heard going into the game that the plan was you stop Lamp, stop Breedy, stop Calder, and all three of them were stopped, held to 27 touches between all those three. Mm. And then there's absolutely no surprise they win a game of football. Plenty more to come here on SCN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. We are talking about last week's NTFL Premier League preliminary final review and Southern District's 14-9-93 defeated St. Mary's 10-10-70 to book a spot with Waratah in tomorrow's NTFL Grand Final. Lucas Jellyman Turner was solid with 20 disposals for St. Mary's. Still talking about St. Mary's at the moment. Josh Smithson and Jay Boyle, I thought, were both serviceable. But would you have maybe tried to play Sam Fowler last weekend to have a bit more pace? Yeah, definitely. If the weather... But you never know with the weather, though, do you? So, like, I think it comes back to having one of those four blokes living here. They just don't have the depth. But I'm I'm sort of similar to a lot of you guys, what you guys are saying. I like Sam Fowler a lot. I think he gives them something different through that midfield, and I would have played him. Yeah, I think because the other week when they um, swapped him and Dylan Lant, he went went and won three or four clearances in in a row Mm. and and allowed Dylan Lant to play full forward. So, yeah, that was an interesting one. And I think we all agreed the week before with the weather they went with um which one was yeah, it? Boyle, 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 yeah which was a good with, with a big body for the wet 
Um, but then because it started to dry up a bit, maybe Sam Fowler, the conditions would have been his, you know, cup of tea on the weekend. Yep. I agree. The deliberate rush behind call was a bit of a momentum stopper for St Mary's. Did you see that? Did you agree with the call? No, I didn't agree with it. The commentators did, but Ash Manakaris is a um, former umpire, so <laughs> maybe he does. But I didn't agree with it. Um, at that point, I think St Mary's what were down by eight points or something like that. Um, mm. They got a they reply. Pushing too. Yeah. Were, what was that? Sorry. They were pushing. They were they were, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they, they quickly kicked a goal back, and I thought, geez, that was probably the one that could have got them back in it. And then it was all over. The old twelve-point play, really. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, but yeah. I I didn't think it was a free kick. What did you guys think? I'd have to watch the replay a little bit more. Mm. I, I know that's a cop-out, but um, at the time, we both looked at it and we were like, ooh, and I know a couple of other umpires that I sort of spoke to just very briefly, and I said, that was a bit of a rough call, wasn't it? And they sort of just nodded their head. So yeah, uh, I think it might have been line ball. Yeah, and also I'd like to say, I think like Saints did sort of come off a bit. Um, I have heard some rumours, Raph. I don't know if that's true this is or what you think about it, but... Um, I heard that they had to push back a lot of their pre-game stuff because all the players are outside watching the women's game. So I don't know how true that is. Um, and it definitely... Sh- I thought if that was the case, it showed on the weekend. They did come out slow again. Mm. They keep coming out slow. Yep. They come out slow in round 17 or 18 against Waratahs. In all the finals, they've come out slow. And they did it again, and it ultimately cost them, yeah, didn't it? Now that you mentioned that, I, 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 um, it was funny because I was sitting next to me um, cousin Alan May, who's my assistant coach as well, and mm. his wife, uh, Lucy... Mm. Um, is a, the team manager and mm. she came out a couple of times and like was singing our team because uh, I think a few of the Waratah guys from the Div 1 were still sitting in the in the rooms and like mm. still taking their time to get out and we were, mm. they were trying to set up yeah. so whether that kept all the players out so instead of the coach and, and that just walking in saying can you just get the you know mm. F out you know it's our turn um then Alan May has to go down and yeah, say, oh, what, yeah. "What the hell are you doing? Like you, you finished two quarters ago. Get out of the, get out of our rooms." But yeah. you know that's um, yeah, what actually know. what actually heard was is that they were watching the game and they actually pushed back themselves. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously you have a different perspective as coach, both of you. Mm. But I, as a player, like to do everything last minute. I don't know why, mm. but I'm a player. Like I said early uh, in my football, and obviously we're just talking about NTFL player. I couldn't imagine the nerves you would have had playing AFL rough. But mm. I'd still get very nervous for a game, and I wouldn't like to be sitting there with you know an hour and a half to go with my boots on just building up that sort of anxious pent-up energy i like keeping things as relaxed and as chilled out as possible until just about the last minute until i like i don't have to do it by necessity but i'm normally one of the last people to put boots on last people to put the jumper on that sort of stuff it's just the way sort of i prefer to prepare so i don't know if if what i will say though if um if they were breaking their routine if if you've got players yeah so if players are normally getting ready 20 minutes earlier and it was different for this week only then i completely understand how that could be a concern. Yeah, yeah. routine for you know AFL players and whatnot, and you know you you. Well, I go from memory from you know blokes like Nick Rewalt, and mm. I'll get there an hour yeah. plus, like almost two hours, and make sure he does. You know, mm. he almost runs about two k yeah. before a game, and that's how like. And with all my injury history, I had to be there, you know, almost two hours beforehand, and yep. you know, get double physio yeah, efforts, and I think I'd ready an hour before the game, so I just give myself the confidence to be ready. Yeah, I think I, I think guys, we're talking it's here. We're talking forty-five minutes before the game. We're, we're mm. not talking hours before the game. Yeah, that's strapping had to be pushed back. Apparently, nah, that's no but good. I don't. I think it's a bit. I think it's a bit dodgy. That's last, not good enough. Last one about the preliminary final. Sam Dunstan, excellent with four goals. Uh, probably his most important game of the season. I know on. Yeah. Social media when we were 
doing our SEN Team of the Year and we didn't put Sam Dunstan in, there were a few comments saying, like, what does he have to do? And mm. I know our criticism was that he's kicked bags against Tiwi Bombers and even Buffaloes he kicked a couple of goals against and it was against smaller defences and we sort of questioned how he'd go against some of the better teams. But to step up and kick four goals in a prelim, I think it was probably his best game. And uh, former Waratah player too, is that correct? Yeah, so he played at Waratahs last year. Um so I think he kicked three or four against Buffs, but then did his ankle. Um, and I think from all reports, he was going back to Waratahs, and then something happened, and um, the rest is history. But Dan O'Dwyer has played on him uh, mm. pretty, you know, has had his measure this year. So if there is that criticism, that's fair enough. But he's got his measure now. He's got to have to perform this week against Dan O'Dwyer, doesn't he? Oh, definitely, no doubt. Um, we do need to go to the news. So... Uh, we will very quickly go through some of the NTFL Premier League stuff. We'll start our uh, review of last week's thrilling preliminary final. Yep. Pint 6-8-44 defeated St. Mary's 6-2-38 at TIO Stadium. This was such an exciting game mm. of football. St. Mary's led for most of the game, including a 19-point lead at three-quarter time. But the Queen Ants refused to give up. Jasmine Hewitt, uh, a highly credentialed player, former AFLW player with the Crows, was excellent with 19 disposals and 18 hitouts. We spoke uh, when we were at the waterfront about the potential battle between Daniel Ponta and Jasmine Hewitt in the finals, and it certainly did not disappoint. Daniel Ponta was sensational again. I love watching her play football. She was a game-breaker, especially early. Finished with 15 disposals, which was the most for Saints, and three goals, which was the most on the ground. Um, but, you know, you've got to give it to the person who... who shines in the last quarter when the game's up for grabs and I thought Hewitt was the best player on the ground in that last quarter. Yeah, I've, I've heard rumours that people have people actually have come up to me, women's footballers, and said that Jasmine Hewitt um, hasn't performed that well in the games and, and has sort of held they thought she held back points, but gee, she was very influential. And I think Amy Chittick's last quarter was, you know, mm. outstanding. But uh, Chittick probably was best on, but Jesus. Rennie yeah, Hicks was really good Rennie too. Rennie Hicks and, and Hewitt, both. The cream rose to the top front, oh, yeah. didn't it, when it mattered? Yeah. Just, just Hewitt's last quarter in itself, <laughs> like those rack contests and then mm. the follow up, like, which is which her big strength up here. And <laughs> she knows where she's tapping it, and if her midfielders don't get it, she's right behind them and cleans it up and kicks it inside. Forward 50 just about more than any, any of her mids do. And then to kick two goals in the last quarter when the game's up for grabs. Mm. But, yeah, you knew you were in for a show when Danielle kicks the first goal within the first 30 seconds, oh, like yeah. the first inside 50. What she start. gets yeah. it and turns and snaps, and I was like, holy smoke, she's ready to put on a show here. And, yeah, I was out of my seat to clap that one through. That that was an unbelievable goal by Danielle to start the game. And so mm. we definitely was treated to, a, a, you know, one of the best games of women's footy I've seen in a long time. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think I think there's some coaching stuff we can delve into as well later about that game as well. Yeah, and now I, if I can read a stat sheet correctly, which is definitely up for debate given the, uh, if we remember the Molly Oldhouse interview where I clearly can't read a score sheet correctly, but I believe it was 29 free kicks to 9 in favour of St Mary's, and amazingly 20 free kicks to 0 in the second and third quarters, which is a very, very interesting piece of statistics there. Uh, Daniel Ponta perhaps maybe could have moved into the midfield or across half-back when it looked like Pints were starting to shift the momentum in their favour. Yeah, you got to factor in that they're going to the scoring end, they're going to come out hard, Rick Nolan's going to put in or everything he can to try to win the game, and it's one of those things when you've got a lead, it can be a curse as well because as a coach, when you're down by 19 points, you just throw everything in there. You, you, you mix up the midfield. Else, yeah. You know, you, know, you, you leave bloke people <laughs> off. That you know, not you, all the rotations go out the window almost. Oh, and yeah. You just put your best 18 out there. Um, 
And yeah, they just Danielle didn't start. I texted my brother about three minutes in. I said Danielle needs to go on the ball now. Mm. After they kick one, and they kicked another, and then I think Danielle moved herself on the ball herself, or maybe you could probably start saving the game at that point, can't yep. you? I know it's the old thing where oh they're too far out to save the game, but you know in women's Premier League footy, it's not a super high-scoring competition. Nineteen points up should almost be a match-winning lead at three-quarter time. Chuck Danielle Ponter and, and a couple of your other star players behind the ball, and and, and maybe you wrap that one up. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, Billy Byers, I, I believe, should have put in put back as well as Gemma oh, Icano, who's um, mm. you know is known as a defender. Um, you know that's her strong point, but she's been a lot of time on the bench too throughout the whole game, especially mm. the last quarter. Um, so you had your three or four best players like not on the ball or not even in your back line. So that yeah, that's a uh, yeah. And the women's football is still a development sort of grade right now. So like you got the top six or eight players that are pretty switched on, and they 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 sort of lost to themselves in patches. They bad turnovers, bad decisions, drop marks. Played on when that they should have on, on the wing yeah. when they had, had time. And yeah, went back corridor yeah. on that one. Should have just bombed. I would have bombed at boundary. Mm. Um, just a few decisions like that sort of cost them and the pressure got to them. And also, one thing also is that the Pints crowd were exceptional in oh, their, yeah. the way they got them up. Yeah. And I was very disappointed, Raph, with the turnout from the St. Mary's crowd, both for the Women's Premier League and the Men's Premier League. I think the... Uh, Waiting for next week. This week. Yeah, well... Well, that's a hard that's thing, you know. Probably, yeah. Both wearing green and gold, so um, mm. you, you could have mixed them all in. And so you want green and gold? Or? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I don't know, but way. yeah, it definitely was. And, and the Saints crowd were a bit quieter, definitely a lot quieter. And, you know, Pines women have got a, you know, I think Ricky Nolan points it out all the time. They've got 150 girls registered, so mm. they've got enough to, you know, fill the whole one mentally. section of the crowd. Yeah, yeah, so, mate, yeah definitely. But the crowd numbers were very small as well. And then mentally, did it get to Saints that they're on the other side? I reckon I played 80. Five Premier League games at Saints. I reckon I played on the other side two times. Yeah. I reckon. If yeah. Pine have a sense of humour, <laughs> they've got to put up the, a, a shot of the crowd last week when they were up and about, and there were some good photos taken mm. uh, by AFL and T, and then caption that when when previewing this week's grand final with the hashtag "There's only one green and gold." I reckon because there is only one green and gold this week in the Premier League divisions. Yeah, so Raf's the only one that's coaching mm-hmm. in, in the in the senior grades, and um, yeah, that's definitely true because yeah, the, uh, even the turnout for the men's Premier League I think was about 150, 200 Saints supporters there, which is disappointing. Plenty more to come. Eddie's grand final week. We will talk more about the. Uh, women's Premier League Grand Final, the NTFL Men's Premier League Grand Final. We will go into a little bit of analysis, perhaps uh, into the other grades as well. Much more to come here on SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Finding a place to write your next chapter. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am. This is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark, Raf Clark and Rob Hale for Rain and Horn Darwin. Finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to the beautiful Rain and Horn Darwin office. Finding a place to write your next chapter. Hey, Robbie, it is a huge week. The biggest week on the NTFL football calendar. The men's Premier League Grand Final tomorrow will be contested between Waratah and Southern District. Big week for Waratah, only two premierships in the past 45 years or so. Mm. They've had the week off. Would you agree that they're in the box seat? Yeah, I definitely think they are in the box seat, but I think also um, the experience from last year losing the granny um, was also very important um, Mm. in their development. Um, Even speaking to some players, they said that, and even being there at the club, it felt like they'd won the Grand Final that week, and 
I sort of thought, yeah, the, the, it sort of was a little bit worrying about you back in the boys, and then, yeah, it sort of didn't happen grand final day, and the boys were flat. Do you think mentally it's a different Waratah this season? Do you think yeah. that, because it's a different group, do you think they're getting, I don't want to be disrespectful here to the team <coughs> last year, but are they getting less ahead of themselves? Yeah, definitely, and I think the bottom five or six players last year, I think, geez, if, you know, if a few blokes got fitter, um, they'd definitely be better players than those guys, and that's no no disrespect to the, those players, but they'd played a lot of um, Prem's reserves football the year before. Um, so we did definitely carry in some bottom-end players, and so, but so did St. Mary's that year. Uh, but they've strengthened that now, haven't they? So they've got a, a mm. lot better um, sort of base. 11 or 12 state leaguers. It's, it's the difference in sort of their lineup compared to the bottom seven that missed out this year. Mm. Ralph, how does Southern Districts turn around a 56-point deficit from just a fortnight ago? Mm. Yeah, well, I think uh, you get your captain back and mm. going by the, the weekend he had. Um, that gives you a lot of confidence. But, yeah, I think they've just got to go out and do what they did to St. Mary's and nullify those better ball winners um, and like they just did. Um, uh, yeah, it's going to be a tough one because that's a big deficit and Waratahs are going to go in full of confidence, mm. you know, coming in off two big wins. Um, mm. But then again, like, always having that week off is, is, a, is a question too, whether it's mm. a hindrance or it's, it, uh, it's better for you. Um, and depending on what Ryan's put the boys through on the weekend, um, have them ready and firing. But then again... All you have to do is, to, you know, to fire them up, to talk about, you know, your drought. Um, mm. And all the old Waratahs face will be there. Even the Guru will be there in his red and white, I believe. Um, so, <laughs> if let me in. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but Districts, um, I think Shannon Rusk has seen enough and he, he'll have a few tricks up his sleeve as well. So oh, hopefully it goes right down to the wire. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's all I'm hoping for. Yeah, I, I think, guys, I think, Waratahs are the best ball movement side in the comp by a fair bit. Yeah. Someone went and watched them train. I don't know how I heard this. I can't remember. But someone went and watched them train Saturday and said the ball, the voice was up, the energy's up. Um, the ball barely touched the ground. So the boys, I think Southern District's going to have to really turn this into a bit of a slog, I think. Mm. I was um, going to say, does that mean they're training too pretty? You know, I know that Rick no, Nolan used to say yeah. the ball's hitting the ground isn't a bad sign because it means the intensity's up. Yeah, no. I, I agree with that, with Rick Nolan's perspective on that. But I think the way Waratahs play is not, they play pretty. So mm. that's the way they play. Um, when we touch into the players that are important for them, I'm actually, it's going to be a couple of surprises, but these blokes, I think, are instrumental in how they do their ball movement. Do you, do you think districts sort of take a bit of um, message out of the last year's grand final, how Saints turn into a bit more of a scrap and not let Waratahs mm -hmm. have that pretty ball movement and, you know, and yeah. doing stuff like they used to. I think. I think. Yeah. I definitely and think it turns so. Turns into a scrap. It goes more districts way. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. But I think also. I think. You know, it's a different Waratah outfit. Yeah, they've got a lot of strings to their bow. This Waratah. Yeah. Outfit. I, I think. Like, if the game's played. This is an early prediction. But if the game's played ten times, I think Southern Districts win three, maybe. No, Waratah's winning seven of those. Um, I think also with all the... So you've got sort of egos and you've got everyone trying to be a big dog at Waratah's a little bit. If you can bounce them early and get them in early and make it a fight early, that's your best chance of winning against Waratah's this week, I feel. Upset that balance, you mean? Nice Upset the balance, make them argue yep. early. Um, Dean Staunton nullifies, you know, gets in. Dino's on a little lip. He yeah. can get in and start. We have know. seen some versatility, though, and we've seen some mm. selfless performances. I think Jaden Magro sacrificed his game the last couple of weeks to allow Darcy Hope to thrive. Mm. We've seen Dylan Collis being thrown around in different positions throughout the season. So I think it's a much, much more potent Waratah team than what we saw last year. I think that this current Waratah team beats last year's Waratah team by, you know, 40, 50 points. Yeah, yeah. So um, the one thing I will say, though, I was going through the stats at when these teams have played this year.
And one of those wins, best on ground, was a Jai Bolton from mm. Southern District. So I his name is an emergency, but I don't know if people are familiar with his credentials. He is a state league champion. I would be doing whatever it could, whatever I could to get Claremont to release him this week. Um, you would have to make a very tough call. I believe you'd have to drop one of, and I'm, I could be wrong here, but I believe you'd have to drop one of Matt Dennis, Bo Schwartz, or Kane Stevens. And unfortunately, if we were... You know, we're being honest here. It's probably the the young local district's junior Schwartz that would miss out. Mm. So, um, I think it'd be a very tough decision to make, and I certainly am not trying to advocate for that. But gee, you know, you lose by fifty six points. You're trying to do everything to turn that result around. And I thought it was interesting looking at Bolton being so dominant last time they played. Yeah, I definitely agree with that, Clarkie. I think I'd probably try to make that decision. Um, a hot, like he's, geez, he's the most decorated footballer outside of the AFL right now. I'd say, Pretty isn't much. he? Well, um, he'd be the most decorated footballer out of those two teams, I reckon. Oh, definitely. Mm. Um, him and you know Jacob Dawson type. Those guys are next mm. level. Um, and he'll add so much grand final. Even if you rotated him early first mm. quarter a little bit, and geez, because I just think I think Ed Morris probably does go to Kane Stevens if yep. Kane Stevens starts on the ball. And Ed Morris has been pretty good in that nullifying role through the midfield. So that sort of concerns me. Um, but you've got McQueen, Smith, Staunton now. So they do have other blokes that can lift, though, don't they? Who will be feeling more pressure, Waratah or Southern District? It's got to be Tars, doesn't it, after yep. losing last year and having the week off? Yeah, definitely got to be Waratahs in this one. I think um, they got pretty confident last year and, and didn't get the chocolates. But I think they've done a, they've done a few things though that have you know they've restricted the alcohol, they've restricted that stuff, and I think that was pretty prevalent last mm. season. Um, so they have gone about it, and they didn't cele- over celebrate the the finals wins, which I really respected. Yeah, and um, you know to have the you know two other teams in there as well, the women's and the 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 div one or the prem reserves. Mm. I keep forgetting what names are being called, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know that gives you a lot of confidence. So there's they're under the I reckon the more pressures on the tars. Um, and the 18s and too, is that right? Yeah, what's that? Sorry, they're in the 18s as well, aren't they? Yep. Yeah, so, four yeah, teams. So yep. four teams. And so it's a massive effort. Yeah. So well done to the Waratahs on that on um, on that note. But mm. yeah, I I believe you know to go to match last year to go straight through um, to the grand final mm. and two wins and to do it again. Yeah, they definitely got the pressure on them. Um, but yeah, like we said, that this Waratah team's a lot better um, than last year and. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of leaning towards the Tars at the moment. Yeah, well, with what Clarky said about the strings, <laughs> yeah, the strings to the the bow, like they've got 11 or 12 blokes that can go through the midfield and all do a similar job. They all share the workload. So it be interesting to see if Dean Staunton does go to someone. Robbie Turnbull, I was super impressed with his final last week. They need to break even in the midfield at yep. least. Southern yeah, districts. So they got smashed last time. If Staunton time. picks one of those guys... A bankers, Robbie Turnbull, one of them will be on the ball at one time. I'd probably go with one of those two. Just, you know, run them with one of those two at each yep. time. We're going to go to a quick break. And I reckon after this, we'll, we'll go through the NTFL Women's Premier League Grand Final. But first, mm. I think what we should do is name our three to four most important players for each team. So we've delegated Waratah to you, and I'll take Southern Districts. Plenty more to come here on SEN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. We are going through tomorrow's big, big NTFL Grand Final between Waratah and Southern District. Now, Rob, you texted me during the week and said, hey, this week we should talk about the three or four, not necessarily the best, but the most important players for each team this week. You have gone with Waratah, and I will go with the underdogs, Southern Districts. Who are your three most important players for the Warriors? Uh, okay, I'll start first. My um, number three would yeah, be... We'll go the, one for one. 
Yeah, we'll go one for once. Number three is uh, Joel Crocker mm-hmm. and uh, Dill Collis, all right? You know, so ball users, corridor abusers, those guys. So yep. they're going to really play the corridor, ball skills um, and ball movement that sets up Waratah's play from the half-back line. Cool, and this might come into it. So I've gone with Dean Staunton. Yep. Obviously topical given his performance last week. 27 disposals, restricting land to just 11. I would almost consider chucking Dean Staunton on one of those two players. Yep. Uh, we've seen Dean play really good before as a high half forward, um, and I think he could play that defensive role as we know he played last week. So I'd be looking at putting him on an anchors or perhaps Collis or Joel Crocker, and if he can nullify those players to the extent that he did land, it's going to be a huge advantage to the Crocs. Yeah, definitely. And I think Tom Bowster will probably go mm. to one of them as well. Um, but it, they set up so much of their play. Yeah. Uh, so number two is going to be Arnold Kirby for mine. Yep. Um, he needs to break even again with Matt Dennis. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was a 60-40, whatever way you look at it, the last final. Um, I think Kirby probably did beat him, in my opinion. Um, but, you know... Matt Dennis apparently is fired up and ready to go. Mm. Oh, fired up would be an understatement. And we'll Mm. talk to the big man very, very soon, Matt Dennis. But I wrote that Kirby was up to the task. I didn't say that he thrashed Dennis or anything like that. But when you look at the stats, maybe I was a little bit harsh on Dennis. So he won the hitouts 40 to 12, which is a big, big win. Uh, But Kirby had 19 disposals to Dennis's 16. And I'm not trying to be too stat-orientated here because Kirby just used the ball so much better. He got the ball at important times and linked up in important plays. The score involvements would be interesting. Um, And he kicked a very important goal too which was which was big for their momentum so we've given Kirby the nod a couple of weeks ago is this one of the most imp- it has to be one of the most important matchups tomorrow night yeah I reckon it is um, and how they rotate as well if they double team and who comes in as well and how much game time they both play is going to be something very important to manage um, number one uh, Clarky for me for Waratahs is Darcy Hope he looked a bit like Wayne Carey last time they played only had the eight disposals um, but yeah Darcy Hope's massive for mine cool I will go through mine just after a break but very very good list so far Play more to come here on SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End. For uh, brought to you by Rain and Horn Darwin. Jacko, you got to touch on the Southern Districts players number two. Yeah, good throw in there. Uh, we have Fraser Driscoll. So you finished up there with Darcy Hope uh, as mm. your third most important player. In, in no order, but number three on your Get list. In there. Uh, look, mine is Fraser Driscoll. So he did an unbelievable job last weekend on St. Mary's forward Jackson Calder. If he can stop Darcy Hope to the same extent, it'll go a long way into winning this game and force Jaden Magro to put his goal-kicking boots back on. Uh, the last time they met, Hope had five contested marks. Uh, four of those marks were inside 50, kicked a couple of goals. I think he only had the seven disposals but he was able to have an influence on off those numbers and had an influence on I think one of the other games the previous week off four touches so Hope is a player that probably doesn't need big stats um, to to make an impact on the game if he's bringing the ball to ground or taking those big grabs and, and he's clunking them really well over the last couple of weeks Darcy Hope Number two is, uh, sorry, my last one is Matt Shannon, which could be a bit of a left field one, yeah, but I think he's somewhat of a barometer. Had 10 disposals in the big loss a fortnight ago, but had 22 disposals and four goals when the Crocs won earlier in the season. Highly credentialed player, Carlton VFL captain or leadership group. And that's my three. Yeah, really like that one, Clarky. Uh, Matt Shannon, I like the left field idea. I also left out Jaden Magro, so that's yeah. a left, left um, field one. And you've left out McQueen and Kane Stevens. So exactly. Very good interesting. Players. Yeah, recipes for the yep. win here. More to come here on SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. On the line, I believe we have one of the Waratahs playmakers in Joel Crocker. Joel, do we have you? Yeah, hi, fellas. How you going? Very good, thanks, mate. Hey, Joel, we will keep this uh, quick due to time constraints, but I'm interested to know, how has the week been? What's the mood like around the group? 
Um, yeah, it's been a really exciting week, I guess. We've had two weeks to sort of uh, well, know we're in the grand final, but it sort of doesn't really kick in until you know who you're playing. So, um, mm. I guess watching the Southern Districts and Mary's game on the weekend, um, it sort of all kicked in after that. So, But it's a yeah, good mood around the club, and uh, yeah, we're really excited for tomorrow. Yeah, Joel, Robbie Howe here, mate. Is there anything that you guys have noticed from last season, that experience of um, grand final week, and has the group sort of matured from that uh, from last season? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that yeah, getting to experience it once, it helps. Um, but at the same time, tomorrow is where it'll all come to show. So, um, yeah, I guess out there tomorrow we'll see if you know last year's experience will help or, or not. So... Yeah. Yeah. Um, has there been much talk around the premiership drought, or has uh, many of the old legends come through the club this week? Um, oh, there's always a little bit of talk about it. Um, I guess last year it was probably talked about a little bit more, but I guess, yeah, we'd love to break that drought and do it for, I guess, all the guys that played in the last few flags. And, yeah, just everyone involved at the footy club would be awesome to bring that cup home as it's been a very long time. So, yeah. Yeah, Joe, and also just with um, my last question, mate, it's just around the um, OP. How's the recovery with all that? And are you, uh, are back, are you fully fit now? Yeah, um, struggled a little bit with it last year, but um, yeah, body's feeling really good. So um, yeah, all excited and ready to go for tomorrow. Hey, Joel, uh, last one from us here, but and I know you can't give away specifics here, but what's Ryan Ayers' messaging been? Has he been trying to fire the group up or is he just keeping a lid on things and trying to keep things as normal as possible? No, I think it's just trying to keep things as normal as possible, you know. like at the, I know it is a grand final, but, um, you know, we've got to take it one step at a time and, um, yeah, try and keep it as normal as possible, but at the same time enjoy the excitement and nerves of the grand final. So... Um, yeah, trying to keep things pretty similar, but, yeah, enjoying and embracing the nerves of the granny, so, yeah. Very good, Joel. Hey, good luck tomorrow, mate. It's going to be, if Waratah are to break a premiership drought, you're going to play a big, big role in that, I suspect. Mm, so, definitely. best of luck with the preparations. Good luck, mate. Thanks, thanks boys. Cheers. Yeah, Joel Crocker there. Um, he's he's a very important player. He's underrated. So he's underrated. Um, if him and Dill Collis get 50 disposals, we'll go close to that on the weekend, I Each? think. <laughs> Jeez, well, he's averaging around high 20s, 30s, isn't he, Joel Crocker? Is he, yeah. Crocker, so. is he one of your um, money ones for the, no, uh, yep. the chaining, mate? I'll, I actually, I'll, I'll just do Being one a each. Bit man you are. Yeah. Are they doing a market? Because Joel Crocker's one of those ones that they'll open up at like 30 to 1 or 25 yeah, to 1 and well, you can I'm, chuck a yeah. bit on and I'm retire thinking, early. Yeah, I'm thinking Joel Crocker. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to put money on Joel Crocker probably oh, uh, if they do brave enough to I'll back you in there, Robbie, yep. then, and I'll, I'll take your um, expertise and, and, and your... T- <laughs> One of yeah, those types, exactly. though, that could get his 30 and for some reason get overlooked. He seems to be doing yeah, that for some reason. Yeah, that's the problem. Yep, but, so. uh, look, I believe we have Matt Dennis on the line, the district's champion Ruckman. Matt, do we have you? How you going, mate? You do. That was a very quick transition. So we just yeah. spoke to uh, Waratah star footballer Joel Crocker, and he gave us a bit of an insight into how his week has been with Waratah. Obviously a very different week for you personally, given that you're based down south and flying in. Um, so I won't ask you about what the mood is like around the group and stuff like that. How are you feeling personally? What have you done uh, to prepare yourself? Um, oh, look, I'm super excited. Um, you know, this is an opportunity that I've been waiting for um, for a long time, and... Um, yeah, like last week was a really tough contest. Um, so I've been, yeah, I spent um, this week at training with my with club East Keelor down in Victoria. Um, mm-hmm. 
and yeah, just uh, I've been doing ice bath recovery and, and massage and all those sorts of things just to get rid of all those little niggles and, and make sure I'm right to go. So yeah, Matt Rob Howe here, mate. Um, Arnold Kirby's been spoken about as the number two sort of ruckman in the competition as well. How pumped up are you to go up against Arnold Kirby again and uh, stamp your mantle as the best ruckman in the territory? Oh look, um, you know we've we've played against each other a few times this year, and, and he's a really really good ruckman. Um, I've got a lot of respect for him, and I rate him really highly. So um, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be another challenge. I think um, last time we played, he sort of got a bit of footy around the ground and um, and, and had a really good game. So um, as much as um, I've got to nullify that, I've got to try and do the same thing as well. And um, yeah, it's gonna be look. I'm really looking forward to that contest um, and that challenge. And uh, yeah, hopefully I can get one back on him this weekend. Yeah, hey, Matty, uh, Raf Clark here, mate. Um, my question is, um, you know, with the big talk about the move going over the districts and leaving Magpies, um, do, you, do you feel that's um, been the, the best move for you? Now you finally get to play in the grand final and, and probably that's what we all play footy for, so I reckon it's awesome to see one of the best players finally get that chance. Yeah, thank you, mate. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, look, it was it was a really hard decision um, at the start of the year because um, I've put a lot of time and effort into Palmerston, yep. um, and, I've, and I, I love the club, obviously, and I spent a lot of time there. So, um, but yeah, look, making the decision to make the move across wasn't an easy one. But um, you know, I look back now, and um, we've got a really great group, and it's it's been um, good for me. Like I've, I've sort of got the runs on the board at the Magpies. So um, yeah, coming into a new group, I felt like I've had to prove myself over and over again. Um, and yeah, look, you know, with all the hard work we've put in, hopefully um, we can finally get some reward this weekend. Yeah, mate. Cheers. Hey, Maddie, we had a great night on uh, Sunday night. You were on the waters, of course, at the Nichols Medal. Uh, but look, you got very, very close. It would have been great to see a Nichols Medal around your neck. I think you would have been a well-deserved winner. Taking nothing away, of course, from St Mary's with Dylan Lant, who was probably in most people's eyes the, the best player in the comp this year. But you've had a tremendous career in the NTFL. My last question before we go. How do you turn around a 56-point deficit? Do you know? Do you communicate with Shannon Rusker much during the week while you're in Melbourne? Um, or do you sort of just wait and, and get a bit of a wrap-up when you when you arrive in Darwin? Um, look, I, I sort of, um, yeah, I sort of wait till I get up there. I, I haven't focused too much on, on what's happening. I just sort of focus on what I need to do. Um, but this week, look, to be honest, I think it's it's all above the shoulders. We've got um, an extremely talented football side. Um, you know, our midfield is just quality upon quality and, and same with our forwards and our backs. So, um, as are they. But I think two weeks ago, we probably had a bit of a lapse and I think that really didn't... Um, Sort of just like you know, um, we've, we've had such a really good season. I don't think we really played to the level that we were expected to, um, and, and our mindset was completely different last week, mine included. So, um, mm. losing that game um, sort of almost flicked a little bit of a switch in me, and um, and yeah, like I wasn't going to let that happen again. So, um, yeah, come this weekend, it'll, it'll be the same again. My mindset will be um, just you know, do everything I can to, to get across the line, and, and yeah, I'll be leaving it all out there, that's for sure. Awesome, Matty. Well, you prepare well. I hope it's a safe flight, and good luck for tomorrow. Good luck, Matty. Good luck, mate. Thank you, guys. Intriguing, I think. Robbie, do you think that uh, Southern Districts... No, of course not Southern Districts. Do you think Waratah should uh, watch the tape of when Nycliffe beat Southern Districts a few weeks ago now and watch the way that the Tigers had that team defence against Matty Dennis? I think that was probably his least impactful game of the season. Do you think that's something that Ayers and the coaching staff might look at doing? Yeah, I think it might be something they do, but I think I think also they might just back in Arnold Kirby mm. um, because Arnold Kirby around the game. He's played enough footy. Yeah, and the commentators, you know, even people that understand how skillful he actually is. So Arnold Kirby is a very skillful big man. It's an interesting one that you've mentioned those two names. 
but when you normally talk about it, a game being won by your best midfielders, mm. it's mm. almost like you know do, it could have come down to the best ruckman on the day. Yeah. It's mm. just an interesting uh, one with these two fellas. So it'd be interesting, and I can't wait to see them go against each other on, on the final day. Well, off the top of my head, I don't know if we've had a better ruck battle in the NTFL for like, in a grand final for a little while, like a more important one. Um, obviously, Kirby, I think, is in Waratah's top handful of most mm. important players, and, and you'd argue that Dennis is probably the Crocs' best player. So, uh, yeah, very rarely do you see up in the Northern Territory the two ruckmen having uh, such a big say yeah. in who's going to win the NTFL Premiership. Yep. Hey, we do need to get to our uh, Rain and Horn property segment. So the first one is the 18 Menorah Street in Larrakia. This five-bedroom, three-bathroom townhouse. This is a dream home. It's very stunning. It's luxury. A standalone townhouse with a pool and is proudly offered by Rain and Horn Darwin. Located in the heart of Larrakia, just moments from the CBD, this is a unique opportunity to secure this luxury property in a highly sought-after area. Located in a highly desirable neighbourhood, this townhouse is just minutes away from some of the city's best restaurants, new university, shopping and entertainment. Do not miss your chance to experience luxury living at its finest. Schedule a viewing today. Offers over 950000 this Saturday, 11.30 to 12. So this is in RAF's price range. Yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> AFL salaries here. Uh, next one is 12 Bowery Crescent Farrah. It's a four-bedroom, two-bathroom house situated at the end of a quiet crescent in the family-orientated suburb of Farrah. This extensive home spreads 246-square-metre uh, home over a large 820-square-metre uh, block, surrounded by mainly owner-occupied properties. Bowery is ideal to set up for your growing or extended family. Yeah, grand living and dining rooms open onto outdoor entertaining area, perfectly positioned to watch the kids and a massive in-ground swimming pool. The property boasts four well-sized bedrooms featuring built-in wardrobes. You will love the open-plan living and dining and the tiled flooring is sure to keep you cool in Darwin heat. Offers are over 6.20. Come take a look this Saturday, 2 o'clock to 2.30. Plenty more to come here on SCN Fridays in the Top End. We need to talk about the grand final in the Women's Premier League. We'll go through very quickly some of the other grade results. It's a big week in the AFL for all the Territory players. Uh, so, stay tuned. The final 15 minutes, thanks to Rain and Horn and Darwin. Welcome back to SCN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. We are joined by Thoroughbred Racing NT's The Best Show on Sand. Jamie Chadwick, do we have you? Very good morning, boys. Very nicely put. Best show on sand. That's uh, my program for the campaign coming up. <laughs> <laughs> very, very nice, Jamie. Hey, what's happening in the world of racing this week? Mate, we've got a big day racing. We're uh, starting to turn the corner coming out of uh, wet season racing and now St. Patrick's Day is upon us at the, at the, uh, at the bay. Um, and a big race card of seven or eight cards going, going around tomorrow featuring the St. Patrick's Day Cup. So a lot happening on the course, mate. Got any quick tips for us? Quick tips. We'll, we'll quickly get to the St. Patrick's Day Cup. Uh, look, I like the nine, the Hello Gem. He's uh, with hmm. uh, the Mark Nine Yard, but Sonia Wiseman takes the right. I think he's uh, certainly going to be hard to beat. He's fresh in a pretty evergreen gallop for this one. Uh, proven at the track and distance, and it'll be very hard to beat, I think. Um, probably if you're anything north of $3, jump on. Um, but it will be starting one of the more fancy picks. So that's uh, race seven, number nine local here in the St. Patrick's Day Cup at Fanny Bay. Quick, quick shout out to the uh, big racing happening on the Eastern Seaboard, too, boys. Um, the all-star mile happening um, at Lily Valley. I think Alligator Blood, suited by the conditions of the short straight and racing very well, will be hard to beat. And then the big one is Rose Hill, the golden slipper. Get on the Annabelle Nisham and Chad Schofield combination. I think learning to fly will be very hard to beat. You'll probably get about good each way value, about $7, $8 on that horse tomorrow. So a lot of racing around the country, but uh, we'll be certainly racing here at Fanny Bay tomorrow. So looking forward to a great day out here to track. 
Very good, Jamie. Good luck with it all, mate. Looking forward to speaking to you in the coming weeks. Thanks, Jamie. Good on you, mate. Thanks, well. It was anti-thoroughbred racing. It's simply the best racing entertainment in the Territory. Hey, Rob, we have spoken about the Men's Premier League Grand Final between Waratah and Southern District. The Women's Premier League Grand Final should be an absolute classic as well between Pint Queen Ants and Waratah. As we said before in the show, Waratah have done very well this year. They are in multiple grades. They have had a very successful season, even in the juniors, even in the under-18s. They're going very, very well. Hey, uh, where do you see this game won and lost in the Women's Premier League? So a fortnight ago, Waratah won somewhat of an upset, but they are in in very good form. They're definitely the form team of the competition. Last win's weekend for the Queen Ants, uh, as Raph said, one of the best games of Women's Premier League footy we've seen for a long time. Does a win like that where you have to come from behind, is it energy sapping and emotionally draining, or is it something that could inspire them to play their best football this weekend? I think my biggest takeaway though, guys, is probably Rick Nolan didn't see a few of those Waratah women play before. That, mm. um, he might have watched a bit of tape, but you don't have a whole lot of tape on your opposition, and probably for a coach like him, he's coached Premier League level, you need to see that. And I think Pints will come out with a bit more of a better game plan matchup-wise, and I, th- I think they'll rectify the result and win. That's my prediction. What do you guys think? Yeah, it's a hard one. Um, I think that the Queen Ants have you know, got their wake-up call, and mm-hmm. you know, if they come out and play like they did that last quarter, it definitely um, favours them. But, um, yeah, I like the way the Waratahs played as well, mm-hmm. um, the way they set up and, and you know, the way they moved the footy, um, especially, you know, the players like Misfit and that, they come into that mm-hmm. side, and they structure it really well and don't, don't allow you to get that free-running footy, mm-hmm. um, and especially across half-back, they set up really well, so... I think hopefully it goes down to the wire like the men's Premier League um, and I'll probably lean just because of the same colour maybe towards the Green Ants and, and Ricky Nolan. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Waratah are a well-credentialed side, but you would back uh, Rick Nolan out of all the coaches. Well, no, that's probably a little bit unfair to say because I'm sure there's plenty of great coaches at Women's Premier League level, but we know how much that Rick lives and breathes the game and, and you'd think that he could pull a rabbit out of a hat here and, and have, have a plan to he sort of... He does his homework, that's for he sure. He definitely does his <laughs> homework. So uh, Stephanie O'Brien has been in great yep. form for Waratah. I think she had 28 disposals and 20 hit-outs or something the other week, which are big, big numbers. Annabelle Kievitz definitely one to watch as well. I think for the, for the Queen Ants, you're looking at players like Rennie Hicks, who had a great finish the game last week um, Amy Chittick they've got a lot of strengths to their bow and, and I think uh, my tip for the best on ground medal uh, is Jasmine Hewitt almost win, mm. lose or draw and obviously she's got a big job if they're going to go head to head with O'Brien so um, look we will do our predictions uh, I'm going to go with I'm going to back the Queen Ants in yeah. uh, in a very very close one I, I don't say that with a lot of conviction but I'll go the Queen Ants by 7 points and, and like I said I think that Hewitt uh, will have to nullify and play a very good role uh, in the ruck and win that battle uh, so she She's my tip for best on ground. Yep, I agree. Um, I'll probably go Chittick for best on ground. I think she was very instrumental up forward um, last week. So I think she's going to take some confidence, and the crowd loved her, and the crowd were getting up and about as well. So Chittick for mine for best on ground. Yeah, I'll, I'm leaning towards the Queen Ants as well. Um, unfortunately, Taylor, sorry about that. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I... I think I'm just going to lead towards um, yeah Hewitt just because of the way she finished that last quarter and like everyone's saying did she, was she holding back or you know if she's been holding back then you know it's, it's a scary thought and if she comes mm-hmm. out from the very first bounce wins most stoppages and follows up and kicks two or three goals and you know game's over Have for the Men's Premier League we need a prediction and a Cheney medal winner Rob I predict probably Waratahs should win I think with the conditions and their ball movement 20 points maybe and I'm going to go Joel Crocker for the medal mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm leaning towards Tars as well. Um, and I'm going to go maybe Collis, just the way yeah. he sets up. And if he gets a lot of ball on the outside, and we know he can get forward and finish with a goal or two as well. So he gives you a bit of everything. Um, yeah. You know, if he gets his 20-plus touches and kicks two goals and, and they win by, oh, I'd say, 21 points, um, yeah, he'll get it. I'm going to go for Waratah as well. I think it will be a closer game than the semi-final a fortnight ago. Um, and a bit of an interesting one. I'm going to go Matt Dennis to win the Cheney medal in a losing team. Um, mm. I can see him really taking this battle with Arnold Kirby personally and, and controlling the ruck and not letting Arnold uh, do his thing around the ground and, and perhaps, you know, bettering him as well and getting his 20-plus touches, 40 hit out. So mm. I can see him winning a Cheney. Um, but... I think Waratah will be too good, and I don't think... I think that's the medal that everyone will be trying to win, the Premiership medal, and, and I'm sure the Waratah boys will take Dennis winning a chain if it means that an even contribution around the board gives them their all-important flag. Yeah, in, in sort of speaking about that as well, I think that Waratah should have, like, would have learnt from last year's loss as well, and I think St Mary's also have been a victim of their own success, having played in the last three grand finals. Very hard to go for four or five sort of grand finals in a row, and I think Waratah's a prime for this one. If I was Ryan Ayres, I'd be uh, I'd be on the phone all week to the old champion, mm. Anthony Hoban, the last premiership coach, uh, captain, um, to get him in the rooms and fire the boys up, just mm. to give him that little bit of more mo- uh, motivation. So hopefully he's he's done that, because Anthony Hoban is a true champion of the Waratah Football Club and the NTFL. Yeah, get, mm. Link, get Lincoln Withers and Wayne Ward and these guys to belt them around. They, they were hard <laughs> nut footballers. Hey, should be an amazing game. Let's really quickly touch on the AFL. Last night, Richmond 8-10 defeated Carlton 8-10. I thought that Daniel Rioli was sensational with 27 disposals, arguably the best player on the ground with his run from halfback. Morris Rioli uh, was also really good as well. Um, a couple of goals, did his role very, very well. What was your take on that game? Did you watch it, Rob? Yeah, I watched bits of it. I wasn't too excited for some reason. I just couldn't get myself up for it. No, yeah. it's just because it's Richmond and Carlton. Yeah. We'll, we'll wait for the Essendon Hawks game. Yeah, I think I'm just waiting on the Sunday footy. I think um, the best yeah. thing is just to see you know three territory boys run around against you know two for the Tigers and one for um, uh, Carlton and, and Young Motlop. And, Motlop. You know, yeah, and if, if that's a you know the start of the the season, a draw, and to go right down to the wire, it's, it's going to be an exciting season. Yeah, I was a bit sceptical on Richmond coming into the season. They didn't blow me out of the water, to be honest. Um, no, I agree. I didn't think that Taranto you know, and Hopper were that influential last yeah. night. They looked a little bit pedestrian, a little bit plodding. Hopefully, maybe those guys adapting to the game plan might take a little while, but a lot of people had Richmond top four, so they're going to have to turn it around a little bit. And I did tip Carlton, so I was disappointed that they fumbled another lead late. Very quickly, <laughs> I don't want to give us much time to think about this. Off the top of your head, who's winning the Premiership and who's winning the Brownlow? I'll go first. I'm going to go with uh, either Melbourne, Brisbane or Geelong. I'm hedging my bets a little bit yep. here, but I think they're the three best teams in the competition. Uh, and I'll go Clayton Oliver. Yep, I'm Melbourne. Um, I'm, I'm big on Melbourne and Brisbane, and I'm going to go Bont. I'm going Brisbane. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I'm not sure about the Brownlow. I'll, Zach I'll, Merritt. Lockie yeah. Hill. <laughs> yeah, <Tim laughs> yeah. But I'm um, exciting to see uh, Alan Davey yes. uh, getting a call up for the your Mighty Pole. Bombers. Um, that's awesome um, to see another young fella debuting and making his, you know, so hopefully makes his own name in the mm. AFL at, at the Bombers. Yeah, well, a year ago, Jake Stringer said that he thought he'd probably play round one last year. So mm. I was very surprised no one put an earlier bit on him. And it's good to have um, that pace up forward. It was pretty cool to see Jaden Davey, his twin brother, break the news to him and present him with his jumper. Yeah, that uh, was good. Also, a shout-out to Benny Long, who will play his first game for the Gold Coast Suns, and Junior Rioli, who will play his first game for Port Adelaide. I'm very excited about those two players. Mm. Brandon Parfitt, uh, not selected for the Cats. Is that a surprise? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I thought he probably could should have moved, um, but he stayed loyal to him. Um, so, yeah, it is a bit of a surprise, and there seems to be a few players that are going in front of him, eh, Jacko? Yeah, definitely. Alrighty, a big, big weekend of footy coming up both locally and at the AFL level, of course, round one. Good luck, boys. Good luck tomorrow, Raph, by the way. Thanks, boys. To... If any of you is awake at 9 o'clock, get down yeah. to the... I'm commentating, mate. Oh, that's right. So <laughs> put us, the guru in. Give us a, give us a shout-out, thanks. <laughs> yeah. I'll be watching. Good luck. Thanks for tuning in. SEN Fridays in the top end.